Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Welcome back, Influenceologists, those that want to know how to be better influencers, persuaders, negotiators, leaders. Hey, we all influence for a living. You know that. That's why we're here. Let's learn the skills. Let's check it out. Let's make a huge difference. This is Podcast 476. Kurt Mortensen here. Thanks for being here. Check us out on iTunes, Google, Spotify, under Maximize Your Influence. Tell your family, friends, and enemies, and of course, everything you need at MaximizeYourInfluence.com, including all the links. InformationInfluenceUniversity.com and your free Persuasion IQ assessment. This is going to be our final installment on personalities and styles and the way we communicate. We're going to get into that influencer that's in the disc style, B in the ABCD code, Peacock in the bird code, also known as spirited socializer, expressive, these different styles, these different personalities, no right or wrong. We're different. We're going to learn how to sell, persuade, and influence people how they want to be persuaded. Stay tuned for that. That is a big focus today. Again, appreciate you being here. Thanks for your love and support and your emails. Hit me up, Kurt at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. What you want to hear, what you don't want to hear, agree, disagree. That's what it for. And of course, we use your email, your geeky article, your question on the podcast, you get the gold version of InfluenceUniversity.com. Cool thing is we're revamping that site, getting things done, making it more modern, making it easier to learn a persuasion tool a day. Because we know that most people use the same three, four, if you're lucky, five persuasion tools. Let's get more tools in that toolbox. Quit trying to chop down the tree with a hammer. <laughs> you know the saying, if the only tool in your toolbox is a hammer, you treat everyone like a nail. So let's kick off this week, the Blinja, which you get to decide, is this a persuasion blunder or a persuasion ninja? So I'm a big believer in giving blood. American Red Cross loves me because I'm O negative, which is good for others, but not for me, meaning I could only get O negative, but I can give to everybody. So they hound me, and I don't mind. It's a good cause. You're saving lives. You're doing some other things. They're like, we'll give you a free t-shirt. I'm like, you know, I'm not doing it for the free t-shirt. I'm doing it for the free cookies. I'm kidding. I'm just doing it because it's the right thing to do. I mean, it's not the funnest thing to do, but I'll do it, right? So I'm like, I was there. I did get a free cookie, by the way, and there were t-shirts there, and I picked them up. So on the front, it says, don't be cold-blooded. The don'ts in red and the cold-blooded's in blue. Post a picture at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. And on the back, who's their joint venture? Shark Week, the Discovery Channel. <laughs> and there's a big shark on the back. Big teeth, mouth open, ready to attack that says donate blood. So, <laughs> sharks, blood, blood in the water, a shark frenzy. Is that a good picture? I thought it was creative. I loved it. I thought it was really unique and interesting, a fun shirt to have. But some people were cringing. Some people didn't like it. Just that association, blood, shark, shark week, which is about a lot of shark attacks if you haven't watched it. Is that the best thing with blood? I thought it was the ninja. I thought it was creative. I thought it was fun. I enjoyed the t-shirt. I might even wear it. But others are like, no. And that's what's interesting when you talk about blood and giving blood and sharks. Some people will just pass out. 
I remember a class I was doing on a university level. We were talking about well, what's in it for them. We were talking about giving blood, changing the marketing up a little bit like we've done on the podcast. And I was just talking about donating blood and, and needles. And I had somebody pass out just by talking about it. You know, she had a bad experience, obviously, and but she passed out in class on the floor, had to get the paramedics out of control. Some people, when you talk about sharks, blood, seeing blood, they pass out. So that might be the blunder part. You tell me in the email, is this a blunder or a ninja? Because it's interesting when you give blood, they're okay, look away. And this last time, like, it's okay if we put the pouch on your leg, you know, that's the pouch of blood. I'm like, I don't care. So well, some people, it just bothers them. They pass out. Things happen. So there is a bad subconscious trigger there for a lot of people. Is that you? Something to think about. I thought it was awesome. I thought it was great. But then we're just getting these comments like, maybe not. Blood sharks, blood weak. So you decide. Put it out there. Good or bad, let me know. Which takes us into our geeky Scarly article. This is from Cornell University, the University of Colorado, Dr. Brittany Bond in the Journal of Organization Science. Interesting, we're going to sports mode here, that baseball reveals that specialists excel after leaving comfort zones. Hmm. So I'll deal with a specialist, an SME, someone that's the expert. Maybe it's you. So how can we excel? And what's this guy have to do with our comfort zones? So here it is. Venturing out of one's comfort zone to perform a task and then performing poorly at that task such as a baseball pitcher trying to hit, can lead to better performance when returning to one's specialty. They're saying if you're the expert, and what are you the expert of? Where, where's it at? Is it presentations? Is it persuasion? Is it sales? Is it leadership? When you leave that and try something brand new that you're not good at and you blow it and you fail, when you return to your expertise, you're better. They said this occurs through a process they called force task inferiority. Of course, leave it to them to come up with a big phrase and term. So forced task inferiority, in which underperformance in tasks outside their specialty frustrate specialists, generating heightened drive that they can channel into their specialty. So you get super frustrated because when you're not good at something, it's very frustrating. It's very humbling. You don't like it, especially when you are usually the best at what you do, your area of expertise. Now, remember with our EQ training that frustration comes from unmet expectations. So people are expecting to do better than this. They blow it. They have a hard time. They fail. Then they go back to their specialty and they have a heightened drive to channel into that specialty. So they got this idea during uh, a World Series game back in 2018. And they were looking at one of the starting pitchers for Boston, David Price. And he was a dominant lefty. And he became more and more frustrated as he failed in each of his three plate appearances at Dodger Stadium. Because the interesting thing about the World Series, if you don't know, that there's the American and National League. One of them requires the pitcher to hit and one of them doesn't. And so when they get together in the World Series, it's hard for the league, the National League, to put their pitcher at bat because that's the rules. That's what they decided to do. And then they're not good at that. They don't do it. They're not used to doing it. And they get more and more frustrated. He said there was one instance where he'd just been up to bat and had failed pretty miserably, and he went to the pitcher's mound and got three straight outs with just seven pitches. Right? He took that frustration, channeled it, and mm, made it happen. They go on to say that specializations become a real focus in the current workplace, and there's this idea that having specialists engage in anything other than their specialty is going to make them less productive. 
It may perform worse at the non-specialist task than other people, and on top of that, you're going to break them out of their flow. So as they looked at baseball players, the pitchers were 46% more likely to record an out against the first opposing batter faced. Pitchers were also 55% less likely to concede a walk against the first opposing batter faced. And pitches thrown at the first batter were 64% more likely to be in the strike zone. So basically, they failed. When they were unsuccessful at bat, they were humbled, they were mad. Those next couple of people going to the plate, look out. And they said, you know, the pitchers that had this inferiority complex commanded an additional $3.41 million (laughs) throughout the season. So batting failure led to better pitching, but pitching failure did not lead to better batting. (laughs) So the opposite is not true. So they found that specialists could have a healthy, productive byproduct from some exposure and engagement with things at which they are inferior, they're not good at, and all that. Hey, it keeps them humble. That's good for everyone. But they say, hey, be careful this hyper-specialization in the organizations. Let's branch out. Hey, I think it's good to learn new things, stretch yourself a little bit, but it's also good to stay humble, but it also helps you when you get back on track to do better than you've done in the past. So even though they focus on baseball player, they said they could apply this to the general workforce, stretch people. It's okay with a little failure and turn that around to become better at your specialized job. They finish up by saying our study suggests that employers should not keep their specialists isolated. It's okay to have them try something, to learn something, to fail, because when they go back to their specialization, they're going back with vigor, they say, that hasn't been there before. (laughs) Kind of an interesting study on baseball that you can use to become better, stronger, or maybe stretch the people on your team to perform better. Which brings us to how do we persuade the specific style, that influencer, energetic-spirited, socialite, expressive, peacock, whatever you want to call it. So there's different styles, obviously, and then pretty much they overlap. And some have five personalities, some have 16. I saw one with 32. We've talked about that. But let's talk about this influencer, this spirit, this outgoing extroverted person. This is a person that's socially oriented, likes involvement. They do jump from one activity to another. The type of people that, hey, it's fun to get started, get going, but finishing it, oh, no, 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 no. They are the life of the party. They're charismatic. They're outgoing. You find a lot of them in sales. Hey, if it's not fun, I'm not coming. If work isn't engaging and fun, shoot me now. Come on. Now, they have been known to exaggerate quite a bit and generalize. They tend to be dreamers and get others caught in their dreams. They always want to be included in activities and conversations and project and brainstorming. Let's have some fun. They're outgoing. They're persuasive. That's who they are. You're going to notice they're very animated, very social. And this is not 100%, but a lot of times their desktop is cluttered. Getting them to complete something by the deadline is hard to do. They love to tell stories. They love to tell jokes. Their fear is rejection, disapproval, and not really being heard. These are the people that are great at building alliances, bringing people together. They're not the ones that will make things happen. They're good to get it started. They're brainstorming the initial thrust, but finishing it's not going to be in their wheelhouse. And so you need them to connect people, bring people together. Like all of them, a valuable member of the team. A great team should include all the four personalities we've been talking about, all the four styles, because that's the magic. Otherwise, if you have all energetic people on your team, as you know, you're just going to have a lot of fun and get nothing done. Interesting, this is about 30% of the population. 
Your steadiness, harmonious, considerate type people is about 30%. Your tenacious red eagle driver, dominant type personalities, that's about 25%. And the lowest is 50%. This is your systematic analyzer, analytical owl type people. So how do we deal with this? Now, we've talked about simplifying this. And the way we simplify this is the first thing we look for, are they relationship people or result people? Energetic or relationship first people? Let's get the relationship. Let's get to know each other. Let's go out, get something to eat, get something to drink. Let's, let's go. Let's do it. Let's have fun. Let's develop a relationship. Results are later. They will come. That's the first thing. The second thing, people are either big picture visionary or detail people. There's no doubt that this type of style... This extroverted, energetic, spirited person is big picture. Details, oh, too many details. Big pictures, even they talked about, they love to dream. They get caught up in other people's dreams and visions. That's who they are. That's what they love. So what can we do? Focus on the big picture. What is the vision? Where are we going? This is critical to them. They'll buy into it. They love it. If you talk about the 10 steps to get there, they are going to run. It's too much. It's overwhelming. It's confusing. Don't want to deal with it. So just deal with the first step. Here's the first step. We'll get to the rest later. Big picture. Here we're going. Here's the first step to get there. Make it simple. Make it easy to understand. That is critical for them. You know, tap into their competitive spirit. They want to be part of the team. They want to win. They don't want to let the team down. So work with them that they can be part of that team. They're a valuable member of the team. And if they're not pulling their weight, let them know, hey, team player, team member, you've got to step it up and have fun. Have fun. Smile more, more optimism, more enthusiasm. That's what they need. That's what they feed on. These are the ones that are popping in Monday morning, bouncing all over the place like a puppy dog. You're like, whoa, 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 too much. But they want to get more energy in the room. That's how they are. So let them have fun. Let them bounce around. Let them tell the joke in the meeting. Use humor. That's what they want to do. Assign them to tell the joke, to pick the videos, to talk about the victories of the week. Now you're talking their language. So crank up the enthusiasm, be more expressive, friendly, open. That's who they are. That's what they want. And always support their ideas. Their ideas are attached to their ego, to their esteem. They are incredible and love to brainstorm solutions. Think it through, big picture. What's going on? How do we solve this? They're not going to implement it for you, but they'll brainstorm and come up with some great ideas and that's the key. Small micro steps are important. Don't overwhelm them. Their brain will shut down. That's true for anybody, but especially this type of style. They're the ones that are after that shiny penny, the next new big thing, jumping from thing to thing. They're the ones, if you see the movie up, Squirrel, right? The talking dogs. This is exactly what it is. And so they could have a very messy environment. And they're also not very good at the deadlines. So some solutions. Remember, crank up the optimism, the energy, the humor, the fun. They're the ones that love the birthday of the months. We're getting together. We're hanging out. We're having some fun. Crank up your smile. <laughs> Crank up your vision, big picture. And remember what I talked about, just one of the 10 steps. Start there. They also do well with the let's, us, we, the team. Studies are clear that if you have nothing to do with it, but you say, let's get it done by Friday, us, let's, we, that team language can be very persuasive for anybody, but especially this style. Also, I'd crank up your praise. They need it. Praise. Praise more often. Praise individually, but with this style, you can also praise publicly. That can go a long way. So remember, they love to brainstorm. Let them brainstorm. Think of ideas. But if they do come up with an idea and it's a dumb idea, won't work idea, 
let them down slowly. Meaning, don't say, yeah, dumb idea. Or that won't work. We tried that before. That's not in the budget. No, just say, all right, let's put it on the board. Let's look at it. Uh, We're going to put it in the parking lot. Let's check the budget. Let's see if any other departments have tried this. Let's take a look at this and just let them know eventually that it's not going to work out, but you don't have to do it in that meeting when the idea came up. They also do well with a lot of success stories, seeing people using the product and service. They've been successful. They're happy. They've been working through it. That's all part of the program and works very, very well. But again, the thing that really holds them back is that deadline. Now, across the board, around the world, every department, organization, government, private, doesn't matter. Deadlines are getting harder and harder for people to stick to. They're not sticky as as much as they used to for everybody, but especially this style. So some tips here. Let them choose the deadline. I need it by the end of the month. What day works for you so they get to choose? Let them know the why behind it, why it needs to happen, and the consequence. If they don't get it done by Friday at noon, you can't get your report done by Monday, and here's the domino effect, and it's letting the team down. As you get younger in the workforce and this type of style, maybe micro deadlines. So instead of monthly, make it weekly. That's easier to grasp. Reminders, make them different. There's the email, the text, the pop in someone else in a meeting. So reminders are okay. Let them know. That you're there as a resource, how are things going? You're not the nag, but you're there to support them to get it done. Maybe you want to reward them. Hey, get it done by Friday at noon, we'll go to lunch. can be very helpful. You have to remember, their intent was not to hurt you. They meant to do it, they just didn't get it done. Some other ones, not the best, but could work if you've tried the others. You can socially shame them. (laughs) Let me explain. Just let them know in the meeting, all right, nine out of the 10 of you have turned it in. We're just waiting for one person and they know it's them. They're like, oh, really? Everyone else but me? Or a doc or spreadsheet that has everyone in green's turned it in, those in red haven't, to let them know that it needs to happen. A little subtle reminder. Another one that's not so great, maybe you need to fudge the date, lie a little bit, (laughs) a little white lie maybe. I'm not giving you permission to lie. I'm just saying that maybe if you've tried everything and Friday at noon is not working, maybe you better say Wednesday. Just saying, adjust the deadline. Maybe that's better than lie. Adjust the deadline to make sure that it happens and happens right. So there's some pointers there for the influencer, peacock, energetic, spirited socializer, white expressive personality, depending on the assessment. A lot of different names. Pick and choose the key. Sell people, persuade people they want to be persuaded. The more they feel like you're speaking their language, you're communicating with them like how they want to be communicated that you understand, that you get them, opens the doors to influence. But if they feel that you don't, it shuts the doors to influence. So there you have it. Thanks for being here. Choose something today that you can do, even if you just back up and just start with, is this a relationship or results person? Start there and then start building from there. That alone will be a great benefit to your influence toolbox. So what is the special of the week? It's self-persuasion, self-leadership, or what I call millionaire psychology, 90% off. Pretty simple. There's an application guide and six audios on mindset. You want to be a millionaire? Start thinking, acting, and doing what other millionaires do. Success, wealth is an open book test. In fact, it doesn't matter what your goal is. You can plug and play anything into this formula to be more successful, to motivate yourself, to lead yourself. And when you can do that, you become more congruent and it's easier to persuade other people to lead other people. So there's another one for the books. Get and tell your family, friends, and enemies. Check us out at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. The special's there under the podcast. It's also in the newsletter. Make sure you subscribe to that. 
Hey, hey, give us your comments, hit like, subscribe. You know what you need to do. So master these skills, become a better influencer, learn to lead yourself, understand when it's time to influence, time to persuade, time to negotiate, and regardless, go out and persuade with power.